This is the Read Your Bible Podcast, the daily podcast designed to help you understand and apply the scriptures. Nothing will grow your relationship with Jesus Christ more than studying the Bible for yourself. I'm your host, Drew Tankersley, and for the next few moments, I want to invite you to join me as we dive into God's Word together. We'll ask God to help us see what He wants us to see so that we can be who He wants us to be. A liar will not be believed even when he speaks the truth. These are the final words of the story of the boy who cried wolf. The story tells of a young boy who likes the attention that comes from crying wolf, wolf. He was charged with watching the sheep, and every time he saw what he thought was a wolf, he would cry out. But he did it so much that eventually the people ignored his warnings, believing that he was telling a lie. When the wolf actually did come, the sheep were destroyed. One wonders if this was the attitude of the people of Israel. They had become deaf to the cries of the prophets who repeatedly warned them of God's judgment. The problem was these prophets were not crying wolf. They were warning the people as a result of the long-suffering of God. But eventually the hammer of God's judgment would fall. But even in the shadow of such judgment, men like Micah continued to plead with the people to repent. It's a message that we should consider as we study Micah chapter 1 on today's podcast. Now, before we dive in, let me encourage you to watch the overview video linked in the show notes for today's episode. It's a great way to get a 30,000 foot view of what you're reading and can really fill in the gaps in our understanding of these lesser known prophets. I want to look at the last two verses of Micah chapter 1 today. I will again bring a conqueror against you who live in Merishah. The nobility of Israel will come to Adullam. Shave yourselves bald and cut off your hair in sorrow for your precious children. Make yourselves as bald as an eagle, for they have been taken from you into exile. Micah's prophecies run concurrent and very consistent with Isaiah's prophecies. Though Micah lives in Moresheth and Isaiah in Jerusalem, they prophesied around the same time and spoke remarkably consistent messages that God was coming to strike down Israel and Judah because of their insistence on worshiping other gods. Their idolatry had reached God and he was coming to destroy them. Micah says in chapter 1, Look, the Lord is leaving his place and coming down to trample the heights of the earth. The mountains will melt beneath him, and the valleys will split apart like a wax near a fire, like water cascading down a mountain. God was on his way to destroy them. Micah begins to prophesy sometime around 750 B.C., and in 734 B.C., The Assyrian army does indeed begin the invasion of Israel and her capital city, Samaria. So just about 15, 16 years after Micah makes these prophecies, Assyria is coming to destroy Israel. By 722, they had destroyed Jerusalem as well. You see, like Isaiah, the prophet Micah is warning the people to repent right up until the moment neighboring Assyria conquers them. God's love and compassion and his judgment are all on full display here. 
You see, for God to be faithful to his covenant made to Moses and Joshua, he must fulfill his promise to bless them if they follow him and to punish them by removing them from the land if they turn to other gods. This was precisely what he had promised he would do, and he must fulfill this promise to do so. And yet all the way up to the very end, he is sending men as prophets to beg the people to return to the Lord. God takes no delight or pleasure in sending judgment, but he is a God who keeps his word. All the while, though, he is begging them to repent. The chapter begins by clearly laying out who Micah is speaking to and when he is talking to them. It is a formal declaration of the people's rebellion against God. The Lord stands as a witness against them for the last 500 years of idolatry. He warns them that God is about to leave his holy temple in heaven and to come down and trample their rebellion. When he does this, the mountains will melt, the valleys will split like wax, water like water from a mountainside. I mean, with such graphic language of impending doom, Micah thunders his warning of God's just judgment on their sin. And what's astounding to me is that despite repeated calls from these prophets to repent, the people seem to ignore them altogether. Joel, Amos, Isaiah, Micah, Hosea, they're all warning the people faithfully. But these people wholly disregard these pleas from God to return to him. And so God has no choice but to carry them into exile. He is a faithful God who will do as he promised he would even if that means scattering them among the nations according to his covenant promise. Now, we learn several things about God from this. First of all, God is a God of justice. He will bring judgment on sin. The sins of these people are well chronicled. Their spiritual adultery with other gods is a consistent theme in their rebellion. God will judge sin. He has to if he is a just God, because what kind of God ignores injustice and corruption without dealing with it? He has to. At least on some level, we want a God of justice, don't we? And we have one. Now, as a counterweight to God's justice, we learn that God is also a God of mercy, compassion, and faithful love. Right up until the very end, God is sending prophets as a means of begging them to return to him. You see, he is a God of compassion who does not delight in judgment, but he has to do it to be faithful, to be a just God. I'm thankful for a dad who imaged God in this way in my life. He didn't delight in judgment and penalty for disobedience, yet he did it nonetheless so that I would learn that there are consequences to disobedience and blessings that come with obedience. This attitude reflected God in my life as a parent, and I'm thankful for it. If you're a parent, you should work to mirror this as well. God is a God of love who all the way up to the edge of judgment itself is loving and caring for these people by begging them to repent and turn from their wickedness. But he is a God who keeps his promises. God promised judgment on these people, first from Assyria and then from Babylon. Both occurred just as Micah said they would. But God also promised in this book to send a baby to Bethlehem, whose origin was from antiquity, 
And that's precisely what happened 700 years later. That baby would be born, and that baby would change the world. And this is where we see the remarkable convergence of God's justice and his grace. Because in Jesus, his life and his death, we see the complete and final culmination of these ideas. You see, Jesus' very coming to earth was in view of judgment that mankind had incurred because of their rebellion. And yet at the same time, his coming was God's fullest and final revelation of his deep love and grace offered to those who would receive him. In Jesus' life and death, we see the judgment of God once and for all poured out on humanity's rebellion. God poured his wrath and judgment on Jesus, the wrath that we so rightly deserved. It was an act of judgment upon sin, and at the same time, it was an act of grace and love for those who would receive him. God's love was displayed for us when he took the punishment and wrath that we so rightly deserved and poured it out on Jesus, and then took the love and affection that Jesus so rightly deserved and showed it to us. One final word of warning here. How do we respond when God repeatedly warns us of something through his word? Do we, like the children of Israel, ignore God's warnings, presuming upon his grace? We must not forget that, like them, our actions have consequences, and habitually ignoring the injunctions of God of the result of our rebellion is both dangerous and foolish. To continue in this vein belies an unregenerate heart who has no interest in confession. And as people of grace, we must also be people of repentance. It's the right response to the grace of God. If we don't repent, we won't be saved. This attitude is not a one-time act, but it is a lifestyle of being continually conformed to the image of Christ in us. What an incredible God we serve that keeps his promises. God, you are both just and gracious. You are at once loving and fair. On the cross, you demonstrate your wisdom, for in one act, you both upheld your character in judgment on sin and displayed grace to us in Jesus. What an incredible Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love, for your sacrifice, for your willingness to submit to such a plan for a sinner like me. Holy Spirit, help us to live in light of what God did for us on the cross. Help our lives to be lives of sanctification, continually conforming to your image each day. In your name, amen. Thanks for joining us today for the Read Your Bible podcast. For show notes to today's episode, please visit readyourbible.info. While you're there, you can listen to past episodes as well as access a host of additional resources designed to help you grow in your faith. It's all there for you at readyourbible.info. That's readyourbible.info. For more information about South Seminole Baptist Church, just go to southseminole.com. Join us again tomorrow as together we help you learn to read your Bible.